Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City. My name is Antramika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you this Sunday here to our church. Um, each Sunday, we start off our Sunday experience by reading a psalm, which we get from the lectionary. Um, there are churches all across the United States, all across Asia, Africa, um, who are using these same songs or other readings from the lectionary to incorporate in their service. And it's a way for us to be intentional about connecting to the global church. Um, this psalm is a psalm of David and it's Psalm 29 and it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare in his temple. All cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. If we can bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for that Psalm of David who reminds us that your voice is majesty. Your voice, Father God, we can hear it audibly. We can feel it in our hearts. Your voice is in the Bible. Your voice is in songs. Your voice has inspired us, Father God. We thank you for sometimes the silence it takes to hear your voice. And Father God, we also thank you for the noise or the sound of others who are offering confirmation to your voice. 
Father God, we thank you this Sunday for River City. Thank you for those who are visiting with us. Thank you for our family members. Thank you for those who are traveling far. May we always keep your greatest commandment to love one another close to our hearts. And may we practice it and execute it this Sunday. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So just feel like during these prayers of the people, we're supposed to start with prayers for our people. So if you feel like you need prayer this morning, if you will just raise your hand. I know this requires bravery, but if you need it, might as well say yes. Raise it high, raise it high. Okay, if you are near someone who needs prayer, will you surround them, please? God, we as a community right now get together and we are in the tension of the now and not yet where you have shown yourself to be our savior and to be true and to be good and to be loving. But many are wrestling with physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, financial needs. And we want every person in our community who is struggling to know we are with them and they are not alone. That they are seen, that they belong, that they are not forgotten. So will you rain down your peace on them in their lives? Be present in the tension. Reveal yourself to them. Bring revelation of who they are and who you have created them to be. Will your kingdom reign in their hearts, in their minds, in their bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. As you guys go back to your seats, I'm just going to continue with prayer. So God, we lift up your church, your body that is meeting around the world in secret and in the light, we pray for unity, for peace, for passion, for authenticity, for your spirit to move in your church. We pray for the world, for the brokenness and the darkness that sometimes seems to overtake any evidence of light. In this space, we have the privilege to declare the light. And so, God, will you break through the darkness and make the mountains tremble? Will you heal the wounds of our world and of the nations of this world? Will you move in our community, in Smyrna, and in our nation, that our leaders would lead with wisdom and fairness and justice we pray for the needs of this body, for those who are in suffering and in trouble, people we know, people who are close to us. We pray for the orphan and the widow and the alien, that you would teach us to be Christ to them. So for the next five or 10 seconds, if you have a need, please speak it out so we can raise it before the Lord can be any need for the world, for you personally, 
we say all the promises of God are yes and amen. We lift up these needs before you, God, and we trust you to be good. In Jesus' name, amen. For the next few weeks, we have decided that how we're going to teach and preach is we're going to talk a little bit about the things that we believe are core to who we are as Christians, specifically River City. And those are the things on these four walls, living in love, creating space, spiritual formation and community transformation. We're also going to have a few guest speakers come in the next couple months and talk about some topics we believe that we need to be poured into from voices. This is a year where we're going to provide opportunities for people who are farther along in some things to speak into the body. Um, and we're also going to hit a few topics that I feel personally in prayer God has led me into. One of them is today's, and it's about the heart, and it's from Psalm 51. And this is a psalm, many of you know that you don't know it. And it's one that if you were raised in church, you might have sang a song that had to do with it. If you already know the song, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, this song is uh, Create in Me a Clean Heart. So when I think of that song... Honestly, it is some of the fondest Christian moments of my life. I can, I can think about being a youth, in the youth group at Mount Perrin Central and singing that song. And I can think about like the warmth that's connected to it. And I think what it does, and I'm going to read the passage in a minute, is it taps into the kind of prayer you pray from the depths of your being. So the words resonate with people who have a hard time letting what's in their heart be expressed truthfully to God. That's always been me. I've always had a hard time figuring out what's going on in there to be like, here it is. It's just a struggle. And so I have really fun moments. I also have moments of the times in my life where I've done the things that have been the most painful to other people or myself or when I've had the most self-hate. I seem to, at times, I still, even to this day, will sing this song on my own and sometimes even cry in the, in the, in the singing of it because it does such a good job of putting words to a heart that is longing to be recreated and doesn't know how to do it. But for David, this, song, this would not have been like a comforting moment. If you want to picture how he would have done this, he would have been wailing on the floor like this. Like the most, most theology or people who would teach about this would say, this was a, and it, and it sounds erratic. Like when I, when I read this to you in a minute, the sound of this is a rat. He's going back and forth from cleanse me, heal me, forgive me. God, you're so good. Restore me, cleanse me. It's, like, it's almost like when, you're, when you don't know what to pray, but you know something's got to happen, and, and you're going to do whatever, and, and imagine tears. And, and for us, it's warm. For him, it was about some deep stuff. So it reminds me of a story. Actually, right now, my wife and I are getting our bathroom, or a second bathroom in our house. We bought a house that was built in 1900. It was within walking distance. We love it. One bathroom with five people. Um, it's not awesome, but it's not terrible. I mean, it's definitely first world problems to, to feel like one bathroom's not enough, but, but we have to have two bathrooms so that we can, um, our marriage can survive, and then um, it's a big deal. So, so we, we picked this spot in our house that we was in our kids' room. That's like an extended room, and we had a couple friends come in, and they started like, this process of taking apart the floor, and the floor was raised. So they took off one layer, which was, and this is 120 years of people building in one place, which was like almost good tile. And then they took another layer, which was a wood floor. And then there's another layer of wood floor, which took 
like two days, so much time that I was like, are you guys really working? Or it's like a joke. But it was so tedious getting this work off, and they got down to where some studs were, and literally one of the studs fell off because it was rotten. So like the whole bottom layer of it was completely rotten. And so they were just like, they just decided to tear it all out. So now we have open earth and like just ground, not open earth, just ground, dirt, cold air. They had to take completely everything apart. Interesting though, the people who built on top of it, they literally decided instead of redoing the whole floor to pretend like it wasn't there and they added another floor on top and built it up six inches. So they built on this rotten floor. I had no idea. I was, we've been, our kids have been sleeping on this spot for two years. Rotten floor. No, no idea until you got down there in it. And so I know you know where I'm going with this, right? But I think for us, when we start to talk about the heart, as Christians in this time, at least, we're not super good at knowing how to do that. And a lot of us, honestly, are unaware what we're, what we're avoiding. We don't even know how to search the heart, but some of us are aware, and we already know that in our hearts are things that we are literally building upon things that need to be completely built, completely recreated. But we've decided it would just be better to start building something pretty on top of it. So I don't have to deal with it. But you never know if you're going to have some kids sleeping on top of that. So you've got to build a new bathroom in your heart. Amen? All right. That's, that's it for today. <laughs> you guys can head home. So I'm going to read you Psalm 51. Um, David the poet is actually writing this. So, the choir master, Psalm of David, when, the, when Nathan the prophet went to him, actually I'm just gonna, that's the, like the intro, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your sight. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Just back. Then. Everybody say then. We so want to go do this without this previous stuff. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. 
Do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on altar. So this is David, and this would have been wailed. Imagine what I just did. Have you ever been in a church service where somebody's at the altar praying in a way that's just uncomfortable for you because it just got extremely loud, and man, they're, you know they're drawing attention to themselves. Have you ever been around a person who is at the spot where the heart of everything about them has just been tapped into and they've connected with God? It is like raw, unfiltered, unquenchable emotions meeting God who comes to recreate this is what it would have happened to David. And we, most of us have heard this, but there's a reason why he would pray this way. Here's the reason why. I'll read you another passage. This is from 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. Everybody knows David, right? Here's the things we know about David. David was a warrior. David was little. David was chosen when we thought he shouldn't. David did what to Goliath? Killed him with a what? But he did before that, like before he did the sword stuff. <laughs> did a lot of man things, right? Like, what else did he do? Killed, yeah, he killed some stuff. Cool guy, right? Bear Grylls. What else did he do? What's, what's like the parts of intimacy and the parts of manlyhood that he has that we don't talk about a lot? He did that. That's, there's one. There's that. Was he a poet? He was a poet, right? Just like all of our warriors today, right? They're poets on the side, right? Was he a worshiper? Was he labeled as a worshiper? Yeah. Was he, was he someone who God literally said, is a man after my own heart. This is, so this is David, poet, worship, worshiper, adulterer, murderer, guilty, caught, schemer, conniver. We're about to read. He's the guy that when he gets caught in serious sin, builds this web, because none of us have ever done that. None of us have ever been caught doing something and decided to make it something different, right? This is why... See, this passage labels the things. These are, this is not specifically why he's wailing. He's wailing because these things revealed what was in his heart. These things were in his heart before he did the stuff with Bathsheba and after. These things are in the heart of people who are addicted. These things are in the heart of people who are in prison. These things are in the heart of people who run businesses. These things are in the heart of people on staff at churches. They surface in different ways. So this situation, it's not that these things are not bad. We all know that the bad things are bad, right? It's that the heart was the heart before he even did this. If he would have been able to address that before, this stuff wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have harmed all these people. But these things actually become the pathway for how he starts to scream out, create in me a clean heart. Not, I'll never do it again. He doesn't say once, I'm never doing that again. He just says, all right, evidently I cannot do any of this Create in me a clean heart. Like the most raw, honest prayer is not one where you make the promises. It's where you understand that you have nothing to offer but you. And it has to be him making the promises. Does that make sense? I'm going to read you this. This is what he did. In the, sp in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, of course, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. 
It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a, a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not that Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him. And he lay with her. And that's not like watching Netflix, okay? So some of you like, that means what you think it means, right? And he lay with her. And now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Just that makes me so uncomfortable, the layers of like what people are dealing with in this. Like they're having to deal with, all the people involved with this, he's probably starting to think of, oh, my gosh, Uriah, right? Like, David's like, I know Uriah, the husband. Oh, my gosh. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah. This is his, this is his way to deal with this. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house there followed him a present from, from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. They told David, Uriah did not go down to his house. David said to Uriah, because you know why he wanted him to go to his house. Why did he want him? <laughs> to, watch, to watch some Netflix. <laughs> right, Chio. Yeah, but he was so honorable that he wouldn't go into his house during this time when the others couldn't. We stayed outside. Like David was like, there's no way to win, dude. Uh, when David told Uriah he did not go in, David said to Uriah, have you not come from your journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark, of, the ark in Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house, eat and drink, to lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will, do, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next, and David invited him, ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drunk, and in the evening he went out to lie on the couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to him. morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by hand to Uriah, and the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. Super. Let's all sing worship songs. All right, like dealing with the depth of what happens when we do what we know we shouldn't do, and others are harmed, and the webs we create. This is why when he begins to sing and pray these songs, it means so much to him. People have been harmed. He has someone's wife that he has gotten pregnant. He has then killed an honorable man, not only just a man, but a man who would do the things that he was doing. Can you imagine showing up in heaven if you were Uriah? You're like, I don't even get this, God. Like, I pretty much did everything you said for me to do. All your ways are not my ways. Different sermon for a different day, right? Amen. So, huge part of this, and I'm going to try and jump through these quickly. This whole passage is about this idea of repenting, which we've been talking about lately that we're uncomfortable with talking about because in repentance, 
there has to be ownership. And in ownership, there's self-realization of what's really happening. And we would just like to move on. So in the church in the 21st century, we've decided that we'll remove things like repentance because it's uncomfortable. We're not going to grow large talking about those things, right? It's a beautiful thing to know that when you present what's really happening, it's met by a Savior who is a creative God who can recreate all of it. It's a horrifying thing to think you have to hide those things for the rest of your life. So when we talk about repenting, and even in this passage, we understand it in things that are based around actions. And we, even as Christians, become very concerned with our own actions and others' actions. And we're quick to highlight a Christian or in ourselves when we do not perform those actions. That's why today we use words about sin to call people things like they did here, like adulterer, like murderer, like prisoner. Right? These things that label built around your actions, things, but don't go deeper to the motivators. We're fooled if we think all that it is with repentance is coming and saying what we did wrong and then receiving forgiveness is the end of the story. That's, there's not a whole lot to that. To be recreated is the purpose, right? So we have to stop demonizing ourselves and others when our actions are true, but let those be the path we point people to the grace peace of Jesus. Does this make sense? So even in the first century, they would have had a hard time praying a prayer like, let the bones that you have broken, right? I've been in sin since I was born in my mother's womb. Like that's not things we talk about. We would say, God, forgive me for these trespasses super quickly, super clearly. Restore the bones that are crushed. It's talking about going to a deeper place than we even like to go. It's, here's here's a, like a kind of an idea to help you with this. So there's a story about a, a house owner leaving a nice steak. It's been seasoned on a, on a counter, and he's got a dog and a cat, and they both decide to eat it. And when the owner comes home, the cat sees the owner and is like, what? Like what? Because cats are stupid, right? No offense if you're a cat person, I just hate them. So. It's nothing personal, it's just that they're terrible. Um, and then a dog, a dog runs over and he's like, right? And, and neither one of these animals are getting at the heart of what needs to happen. The dog just wants to restore good feelings, right? Like, let's get these feelings back. You love me, doggy, right? Love me, love me. Never hitting at what happened, but wanting to restore good feelings, wanting to have the feelings back. I'm accepted again, right? But not wanting to look at the things that would have driven that to that place. That's what we do with our sin. That's what we do with the things in our heart. And I would even say it's not even necessarily about sin. Just the things in our heart that we feel like we have to hide. We don't want to bring before God. We don't want to bring before community. So a real response goes beyond forgiveness to recreation. And in true recreation and healing, David had to be honest about where he was broken about where we are broken. Instead of building a layer on top of it to make it appear that the foundation isn't stable, looking at it and saying, I am absolutely broken here. I am. I'm broken. I don't even know how to put words to it. This is going to evidently be a process and not something that can just be, this is something I've done 
blot it out and move forward. We are broken just like David was. My heart is that we could be pre-David and Bathsheba, present our hearts to God before we affect the humanity around us in the way that broken hearts do. Because it's either going to be the heart being revealed with you coming to him or the heart being revealed because in, in a couple passages later, his son's taken from him. He's fasting and praying and asking, please don't take this son. God gives him another son. But it's going to be one of these situations. It's going to be you realizing that the focus is your heart, and it always will be. It always will be your heart. That's the most meaningful thing you'll hear this year, is God wants your heart. Even if you came today and there's these three things that you know you need to repent of, I would say put that on a wall, put a pen in it. He wants your heart. And it can be pre-David, it can be pre-that, and you can, he can get your attention and you can give him space to see into it, or it can be post the bad things that happen because of our decisions because we're broken, right? Because David, before he's weeping on the floor, is walking on rooftops, watching people bathe. And there's a reason he got to that spot. His Lord was not satisfying enough. And really the real motivator behind all sin is that we decide that we're going to be God. We're going to be God. And that's when we think we can take somebody off the battlefield, put them where we want them, take someone's wife, put them where we want them, absorb that person's stuff, organize our life the way we want. Presenting your, presenting your heart to God, what would have happened before this? Like, what would have happened? This definitely would have happened, but what would have happened to that kingdom? Like, what would have happened in his reign, right? What would have happened? What's happening in your heart right now? That's the most meaningful thing you can hear this year is for you to take seriously that you have your own heart. It's being formed. It's impacting those around you. And he has to be the source of what's happening to it. If there's any other source, and that's what we do when we're in the spot David was in. We look for any source that will satisfy why it is we feel the way that we do. Can you pull up a picture of me, please? All right. So... I'm, so I'm literally, I'm literally praying about it. I wanted to share a story last night, and I'm here praying and getting some stuff out a couple hours, and I wanted to share part of the story about when I went to rehabilitation, and my sister sends me this while I'm thinking about it. So you want to talk about God's not providential? We can get into that theologically, but I thought that was just too unique. That's my sister on the, on the right. That's, you get it. So... This is after 52 days of rehabilitation and wilderness re rehab in Utah, where the reason I wanted to share with you about that was because I went there because my escape up until there was anything that gave me a high or got me outside. That wasn't what I was. I was maybe an addict, but I was a hider. I was a hider. I had shame. I had I had dealing with things in my family in that season of my life that I was just too scared to talk about. I had feelings of insecurity. I was extremely scared in every area of my life. And so for me, pre that, any drug would have taken me from those feelings. I wasn't a drugged addict, although I was doing drugs regularly. So 52 days without anything that got me away from those feelings was, I'm in the desert, literally the desert. I can still feel the first time I had to interact with my heart that couldn't be medicated by something that was another source. And there were nights I went to bed weeping in the middle of a field 
sleeping in a bag, literally, with things running over me all night. Because it's Utah, and there's real things, there's dinosaurs there. <laughs> the first time I had done nice things towards my family, and I think maybe what I learned in this experience was how much I did love my family. So I wrote these letters. I would have never done that. Pre this, they would have been like, we don't even recognize you. I was writing letters, all of them. Love you, I miss you, things that I, I must have been hiding, I must have been hiding that I like to be an intimate person. I must have been hiding that I do care about my family and want them to know that. I don't know how to do any of that, though. We took 52 days away. I thought I found peyote at one point. We did, and we got sick. We carved a little wooden bowl and tried to smoke it. I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. Again, this was 20-plus years ago. So, um, But my sister, this was the last day. You're not allowed to ask any future questions. The last day you're in rehab, they say, your family's one mile from you. You've got a race to finish this. So this was, I'm literally like running, slow motion, and she was, like, she was there, hugged me, but it reminded me of a time in my life where I had to become honest about what's in my heart and how it's not just as black and white as I had sin in my heart. It was, I had intimacy in my heart. I didn't know what to do. I had hurt feelings about what was going on in my family. I didn't know what to do. I had tears that needed to be cried that I would rather, like, do the thing when you know you need to cry and you're a dude and you're just like, like doing your jaw and yawning, going to the bathroom, because everybody does that, right? No? But I've started to want to cry more. Like, and, and this was a time when I cried a lot. So and this is what I wanted to say about this. It's a little bit like entering a dystopian movie when you enter your heart. Like, you don't know what's there. You've avoided it, for those of us who have avoided it, for very specific reasons. And when you decide to not medicate or find another source, you're then left with your heart. But here's the beautiful news. Jesus wants to meet us in that heart. And he not only wants to meet us there, but he has been waiting and dying to recreate what is in the foundations of those hearts. Can you pull up 51.6? Cuz, hold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom. He wants in there to restructure what needs to be. And it might not just be sin. It could be fear, which is a sin in a way. It could be you're scared. It could be I'm, you're still angry with your parents. It could be whatever it is. He wants to get in there to bring, bring truth and wisdom in the secretest of your heart. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's a beautiful thing for you to start to do this year. Because when we see inside, we present, we, we, re, we repent, we wail. He's there to recreate. And I love how David doesn't make promises. In true repentance, not only do you finally understand what repentance is, but it's the first time you really understand what grace is. It's the first time. In true repentance, it's where you really get what mercy is. You can't get the two without the other. Getting grace and mercy when you're, everything's all good, you're like, this is great. It's like singing love songs when I'm riding down the road. But getting it when you know that there is nowhere for you to run because you're so broken, you don't even know what to list as the sin. Getting it there, that's when joy will start to come back. That's when structures are rebuilt. That's when you start to become pre prepared to teach transgressors, or in today's terms, 
just the people in our lives, the ways of God. Because the place that is most important this year that you let God go is not Utah, it's not Zimbabwe, it's not Europe. Now, that's fun. I want to do that. It's your heart. It's inviting him into your heart. And you might need community and you will need community because the places like the book of Eli, it's like dystopia. I'm telling you, in your heart, you've avoided things, but Jesus is already there. So I'm going to pray for you really quickly. And I'm, I am a little bit sorry to go long, but I'm not. Because, because the heart and the matter that's in it is going to be the long haul. It's not checking it off your list. Gave my heart to God today. That evangelistic tool is beneficial as a first date, not beneficial as a marriage. The heart work is the long haul, and he'll be working on it until you're 98 years old. That's important to know because you'll continually have to give it over to him every day, every heartbreak, every brokenness, every time you want to revisit the old wells, didn't bring you anything, every person who's hurt you or broken you, every family member that's left you, every shortness of success you've not had, every self-hate talk you've ever had with yourself, every time you want to cry but you feel like you can't because you need to hide, you'll need to give him your heart. For those who you have hurt, you'll need to give your heart. So today, help us, Lord, to not be fascinated with sin actions as if those are the tree. Help us to not even label others that we see in sin as that sin. Help us to pray deeper into the long hauls of what it looks like for someone to understand they are a child of God. Help us to not label ourselves these things that we have done that have harmed others that are sin and should be labeled sin so that they can be cleansed, recreated. But help us not to stop. Because all the people around David would have said murderer, would have said adulterer, would have said schemer, would have said terrible king. He's that guy that was the warrior who's awesome, but he used his power in vain. That's what everybody would have said about him. But God, you said in his repentance of saying, here is my heart, here, recreate me, God. You said, worshiper, poet, man after my own heart. This is our God. So move beyond that. I want to read you with your eyes closed, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Have that up there. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If the old has passed away, behold, he has become new. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him be sin, 
no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are new creations in Christ. We are not just new people who don't sin. We are literally new creations. So we will be a people that hands over our hearts where things are formed, where foundations are made. God, you can be the source of the depth of us so that truth and wisdom can be in our inner being. If you would stand with me. And before anyone leaves, Father, we present ourselves to you. And if you're on the prayer team, if you would come forward. The next few moments, we're going to ask that if you'd like to stay in this room, you'd see that it's a sacred space for people to connect with the Father, specifically today about giving him access to your heart. So if you'd like prayer for that, I ask that you don't leave until you let the body join with you. What a gift for three people to reach out to the Creator together and say, we have to have you in this. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.